Hello, welcome once again to Bullets, Brothels, and Bots, a Westworld podcast. A weekly podcast on the television series Westworld on HBO Max, based off of Michael Crichton's original movie from the 70s, and now uh, created by Jonathan Nolan and Lisa. Is it Lisa Joy, Eric? Yes, it's still Lisa. Indeed. Uh, speaking Mark of later, speaking of who we are, I am co-host Philip from the state of New Hampshire in the U.S. of A. and with me in the state of Michigan. Uh, sorry, you broke up there. Were you tossing to me? Yes, I was. This is Eric. <laughs> Eric, how are you, sir? I am well. And in the state of New York. Hi, this is Mike. Mike, how are you? I'm fine, Phil. How are you? I'm doing all right. And all right. So uh, for folks who are new to the podcast or who are like just found us out of anywhere, we are part of the Dark Discussions News Network, which is www.darkdiscussions.com. It's a website that has multi-podcasts, including this one, and it has other things like news and such. You can email us at darkdiscussions at AOL.com, which we do have an email tonight that Mike is going to read, and we will read your email on the podcast. Um, so that's pretty much that. Uh, for folks who are curious, we do spoil everything because, again, we're here to give a review and a perspective on what we saw as many of our listeners come here for that specific reason, not just for it was it good or not. They want to know other people's perspectives and uh, that's what we're here to do. We are a known podcast uh, that was mentioned on the Huffington Post uh, website. So uh, for folks who are curious who we are, and we do have actually a pretty large listening base and a lot of our folks that listened to us way back on season three have uh, reappeared again on season four uh since we are getting a lot of listenership yes welcome back um all right so uh, in the two years that it took and the pandemic and the everything else that was going on and sticking with the show Indeed. Uh, for tonight's episode, uh, this is episode four of season four, or episode 32 for the series, entitled Generation Loss, uh, directed by Canadian filmmaker Paul Cameron, and written by uh, screenwriters Kevin Lowe and Susan Warble, uh, who both were the writers from last week. Uh, different director, though, this week. Um, this has... It's premiere on July 17th, 2022, and uh, we are recording this on July 19th, 2022. The numbers... Uh, Phil. Yes. Today's actually the 18th. Let me redo that. Uh, you are right. Uh, this is the 18th, and we are recording this on the 18th uh, to be released on the 19th. So there we go. I don't know how I got the 22. Um, anyway, uh, oh, I know how I did it. was because I'm looking at the, the year uh, that it says July 17th, 2022. Uh, but uh, the last thing I wanted to add before screen today's date up, uh, the U.S. viewership has not been uh, released yet. Uh, so we cannot give you that information. All right. So uh, that's pretty much that. But before we get into the episode, I believe we do have an email, Mike, that uh, you were going to read first. 
Yeah, give me one second because I've got a cat caterwauling for no particular reason. I think he's done. Nope, he's not. Okay, this is uh, an exciting podcast. Yes. Well, I, I, it, it, he's unfortunately he's a sad boy. Whenever you put a we put a cat down, he goes around after he eats and cries for you know about fifteen minutes, and it's supposed to go on for about six months, and it's up to seven months now. Usually, it's, he goes up to a year. Okay, I don't even know what any of that means, but I'll take your word for it, Mike. It's like kitty mourning for some reason. It's a weird thing. Sort of like how Italian ladies wear black. All right. So do we have the okay, email? Here we go. I'm assuming that this is uh, from the Fox. Yep, Sean. Yep, Sean Fox. That's right. No, it's from a, nobody. Nobody named in no particular place. Here's what the Red Fox has to say. Hello for another ranty round, gentlemen. I will open with my absolute love of using a version of The Day the World Went Away by Nine Inch Nails, redone by Raman Jawadi as trailer music was awesome. Just as awesome as when it was used in the trailer for Terminator Salvation back in 2009. Raman Jawadi continues to show that he's a musical score genius, just as he was with Game of Thrones, and one of my favorite underrated, uh, and one of my underrated favorites, the 2011 Bright Night score. Is this the, not the one that he gave us last week, is it? No. Uh, no. Okay. Because last week it was about Metallica. Oh right, okay. Just that I remember him mentioning that something about the, maybe it was in the the, the podcast on the, uh, the focus, Mike. Focus. Yeah, All right. Just, just Other musical highlights this. include the magically morose synths throughout, as well as the use of Enter Sandman in the Prohibition era sequence. Well, that was. Well, anyway, it was a very one was a very fun one overall. I love the badass Bernard and badass Maeve stuff. I love that the Prohibition era and Wyatt Riot uh, sequences are using the original. Wait a minute, that is last week. Yeah, see, this is very bizarre. Let me let me verify this. What did you do, Phil? Oh, this is uh, Tuesday. Did you send it on Facebook, Phil? Uh, yes, Facebook. So you're reading. Why would you send part? anything on Facebook? Uh, because you can just uh, copy it's and paste. an email. Why don't you just forward it? Well, email would be worse. I know okay. this is for my regular message. All right, I apologize, Phil. So you're gonna have to rewind and go get rid of all of that. Yes, that's fine. Heavy editing. All right, here we go. Hello for another episode, gentlemen. I will say Tessa Thompson really brought Shaloris to a new level of Bond villain this week. Lots of good pouty tantrumy huffs to go go with her over the top bravado at the end of the episode. She just needs a twirly mustache and maybe a cat. I will say some of the bigger revelations, like the one dealing with C, were not so surprising. Overall, I enjoyed the episode, and being halfway through the season, I am just hoping they will stick the lander better than Season 3 did. Now for the choose-your-own-adventure part of the email. A. If Eric is reading this email this week, he is the one who is never right, and take that, you suckers, oh, and people suck. If Mike is reading this, then he is, in fact, always right, the possible remark mentioned about choice A about Eric was, in fact, oh, absolutely correct. If Phil is reading this email, then it's the best reading ever, and Taylor is a prophet. James Taylor is, pro- I guess, I don't know. Whatever the results of the above reading, thank you, and I hope that you all have a great week ahead. Sean from St. Albert, Alberta, Canada. Now, uh, Mike. Uh, P.S. Mike is a son of a bitch who's always wrong. And, and uh, Mike, for, for some trivia... Uh, Taylor Swift's parents named Taylor Taylor because of Cha- uh, James Taylor. 
Yeah, nobody yeah. cares. So, so, not a find it so, so hey. Mike, Mike was kind of right. Here's the thing. There's a very good chance that on my deathbed, I won't remember my wife's name, but I will remember that. <laughs> All right. Uh, fair enough. So, um, uh, some of the things that uh, Sean says uh, are things we're probably definitely going to be talking about. Uh, so we can get probably into our thought of this episode so we can do a round table. Uh, and I guess I'll, I'll start. I'll start. I don't think I start usually, so I'll start. Um, well, this episode uh, looked like it would be good, but I, I felt it was very uh, mediocre. And the reason I felt it was mediocre was specifically for the James Bond type um, dialogue. Uh, Charlotte's dialogue was absolutely horrendous, I felt, because it was just so, like, you know, this was my plan, and, you know, like James Bond, James Bond, James Bond. And then the man in black had some pretty bad lines, I felt, too, that were, like, so cheesy, you know, written for B-movie rubbish. And the gunplay, I didn't What do you like. think Westworld was? Uh, I was thinking they were trying to make it more of a science fiction uh, intellectual property as, mm, as we saw mm, in the first mm, mm, couple of mm, seasons. Again, no, I meant the movie. This. Oh no, no, I know. I, I'm, I'm talking about. I'm talking about how season one and and two were more like intellectual, and then this kind of was much different than, than what what I've experienced in the past with the show. Uh, also, the gunplay was kind of B, uh, you know, like um, 80s action gun violence. It was like, uh, and uh, the, there's no surprises. Everything is like, when it appears, it's like, it would be surprises if this was season one or season two. But now that we've seen season one and season two, fine, you know, Nate um, uh, Maeve in the Buried in the desert, uh, there and there are different timelines. Um, there's probably a virtual reality world going on, and so on and so forth. That it it kind of was disappointing in that sense. All in all, it was well made and and directed and acted and and stuff. But but the dialogue, as I said, was pretty lousy. And the big twist that they thought we would all be going, wow, really, we're like, eh, as expected. So I, w- I was somewhat uh, disappointed with that episode myself. Uh, let's go view Eric. I disagree with Philip. This is the first episode I actually enjoyed this season. Uh, <laughs> uh, they finally stopped with the mystery box bullshit and connected some dots so we know what the fuck is going on. I'm a fan of that. Um so as as predictable as Phil thinks it was, I'm glad they finally filled in the blanks on some stuff. Uh, I think there's still plenty of questions to be answered. Um, but I'm glad they're no longer just like throwing nonsensical bullshit at my head. Um, so that was cool. Um, like I said, still plenty of questions. We'll get to some of them. Uh, but the dialogue didn't bother me because... Honestly, that the whole show has been that way. I don't know what you're talking about, Phil. Uh, so, <laughs> so yeah, I enjoyed this episode quite a bit. All right, sounds good, uh, Mike. Yeah, I'll disagree with both of you. Uh, no, I liked the episode quite a bit. Um, I will agree. I, I personally, I think they've been connecting dots all along, 
after the first episode. We've been getting it in dribs and drabs. Here is feels like they've mostly pulled the curtain back. The only thing that we haven't quite gotten is uh, the role of Christina Dolores exactly um, in this timeline, in this sequence. And I guess Teddy and everything going on there. Um, I don't know that the reveal was a great big surprise because I think really when you know a twist is coming, there's only so many possible twists you can figure out. Right, they're all some variation on a thing. Westworld, because of the way it's written and because of the structure of it, has a unique twist it could put in, which is that the robots are timeless or ageless, so they get to do the timeline thing. But once we figure out that trick in episode and season one, it's it's we know that's in that bag of goodies they can go with, and it's basically they're a host. This person's a host. This person is a. This is a, an alternate timeline. This is a, a a facsimile of a real event. And those are basically the three cards it has to play in this series. So I can't say the surprises were anything of a surprise, uh, but I think they were executed well enough with the, and I understand, well, I understand what you're saying, Phil, about the James Bondiness of it. I, one, for one, tend to enjoy a good James Bond film and a good Bond villain. But I also, I do, just, I do I, too, and James Bond films. But this also reminded me a bit of uh, the the ending to Watchmen, in which the supervillain gives the supervillain speech to the hero at the end, explaining their plan. And the hero says, we'll, we will stop you. And the villain says, well, you think I would tell you my plan if I hadn't already done it yet? Um, and so that's basically where we are. Charlotte is revealing her plan after she's already successful. She's already won. And that changes the stakes. We're not we're trying to undo something as opposed to stop something. Uh, not that it was a huge twist that was unforeseeable because this was something that was kind of on the table was this was set in a future timeline. But I think it's brought all the timelines together. Now, I made a joke at some point. Uh, on another Facebook group, which is that um, I said that. Have you ever seen the movie, the, uh, either the movie or the Broadway show Rent? No. Oh. See, no. in Rent, the, the, the twist is that everybody in the show has AIDS. Like, literally everyone has AIDS. And I said, Westworld is kind of like Rent, except instead of AIDS, it's being a robot. <laughs> everybody is a robot. Uh, and well, the one person... Well, I have questions about that. We'll get to it later. <laughs> And well, I don't think that everybody's a robot, but everybody is eventually a robot, right? Because the man in black is now a robot. Caleb is now a robot. Is he? I have questions about that. I think he is. Well, if he's not a robot, he's he's a he's uh, controlled. He's a digital conscience. So, uh, anyhow, but twenty three years later, and he hasn't aged. Right. I have questions about that. We'll get to it later. So at the very least, so I'm saying so that that's really at this point, I felt the same way, by the way, when they revealed Stubbs was a robot and uh, was Elsie or was that the name of the, the tech person? Yes. Yeah. I yeah. Think I, they revealed she was a robot, too. It's like hardly anybody at this point 
is not either anyone who was human is now a robot and everybody we thought was human was a, was always a robot. So it's one of the two. So we're, we're really running out of people here. Uh, and the only people that now seem to be people are people that we met five minutes ago. That's and you'll, and we will see if there's still people down the road. Now that is, that is a, a, for me, a minor nitpick because the series is what the series is. And this is a part of what the series is. Everybody's a Cylon now. Uh, I still think. Oh man, we're going to have a conversation. I I think you could still get a compelling story out of it. I think they are telling a story that I'm interested in because I like stories when the villains win, or at least seem to have won. All right. Anything else, Mike? Uh, That's it for now. Okay. Sounds good. Uh, So, folks who are familiar with uh, the podcast or not uh once again i'll bring it up uh we spoil everything because again you're here to hear a different perspective of the show um and it seems like tonight uh we have three different perspectives so that may be interesting um all right so uh we'll go through uh points and things that we want to talk about uh what do you guys want to talk about first where where do we want to go um I think we should save Christina for last because I think talking about that situation requires revealing everything else that happened in the episode. Okay. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. All right. Um, Yeah. So there's uh, two other main stories uh, this week, which is the Maeve and Caleb story. And then the Bernard story. Um, and that's pretty much it, right? I mean, those, the, the, there's only two storylines going on at the moment, right? <laughs> and then besides Charlotte's, I mean, uh, Christina's. Um, uh, I don't know how to talk about any of these. Well, uh, let's start with we finally get to see what happened at the lighthouse. All right. Yeah, let's do that. All right. Uh, um, so basically, we get a flashback scene, right, to when Maeve and Caleb um, – invaded this lighthouse on the ocean, uh, which apparently was housing another version of Rohoboam. Yes. I don't know how to say that word. I might be botching it. Um, I think everybody I just invented a new word. Sweet. Yeah, but we know um, what uh, So they blow it up and, and Caleb gets hurt. Um, and they run away and Maeve saves him, but has to take him to a hospital and says that while she's there, she confronts mortality of someone she cares about, which she never had to do before. And um, we it's revealed that the reason this whole thing was set into motion is because after Maeve went off grid, um, she missed her friend. <laughs> so, one day, so one day she wanted to know how Caleb was doing, and she just tried to get onto the on the internet and check in on him. And that's what tipped, uh, tipped her hand as to her location and, and set everything in motion with people coming to murder her, uh, and Caleb. So I thought that Good was, job, a, huh? Good job, Maeve. Yeah. <laughs> well, that, that's the thing is that, uh, maybe it's, I, I have to focus more or, or, or something, but I, I wasn't even sure if the lighthouse scene, 
was a virtual reality scene or if it really was a scene from the past. I was I was a bit confused. Um, but I think what, what you're saying... What you think it was virtual reality? You know, because it... I, I didn't know if any of those things that she was talking about were... Are you in the car? No. I that's, thought I heard a turn signal. No, that, that's my my dog uh, drinking in the background. Oh. Not. <laughs> yeah, so it's lip, 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 lip. It's kind of funny. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, what, what, what it is, is is that, I mean, she's talking about how uh, death in the car while they're driving. But again, yeah, that was, that was when he got stabbed. So yeah, I see what you're saying. So, so maybe I was confusing the stabbing with the, the, with the bullet hole. Oh no, they did it. I think they, they cross edited that purposefully. Um, but I could see how it could be confusing if you weren't paying close attention. But yeah, now that I'm talking it out, it makes sense now. So when she's talking about him possibly dying, it's not, I'm talking about the, the stab wound. He's talk, she's talking about that the bullet wound. Yeah. Yeah. I gotcha. I got it. Mm-hmm. All right. Very good. Very good. Yeah. So maybe, maybe I should watch these episodes twice there. Very confusing. <laughs> yeah. It can be. Um, what were you saying, Mike? I said, it doesn't hurt to watch them twice. If you can. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes I'll either watch it twice or go back over certain parts just to clarify things. Yeah, well, I got this stupid day job that makes so I can't always do that. They kind of suck. Yeah, yeah. Um, so then at the park where we left Caleb and Maeve, Caleb's taken over by the flies, and Maeve figures out how to control the audio device that was sending out the signal that was controlling everyone. So she turns, she's actually kind of clever. She turns off her own hearing and tunes that thing up full blast, uh, which pretty much, uh, disables the man in black and, uh, Charlotte so that Caleb and Maeve can escape. And they do, but then, uh, they get caught up with at a quarry and they've got Charlotte in tow and uh, the man in black shows up and uh, has a showdown with Maeve, uh, who um, gets shot and killed, but on her way out, uh, triggers the detonators at the quarry uh, to make tons and tons of rock come collapsing under her and the man in black. Which was actually a really cool shot. Um they actually did the the detonation at the quarry practically um, and then used special effects to get Maeve and the man in black into the shot. So it looked pretty awesome. Yeah, I, I did have some problems with some of the CGI in this episode. For example, the the um, the sand that is blown up that you know becomes like a cloud and it goes and covers them, the man in black and Maeve didn't look too good. And then when Caleb gets shot in the control room um, of the quarry, uh, you could tell those were like CGI bullet holes and blood. Now those are, this is just nitpicks, but um, I was about to say the same thing. <laughs> yeah. 
but it took me out just a little bit compared to the usual special effects in the, the show, which are really fantastic. I didn't notice it. Gotcha. I think you were looking to hate this episode. Yeah, because by at that point, I had already rolled my eyes from the Charlotte and, and the Man in Black speeches earlier in the episode, so that's fair. <laughs> um, but yeah, that, that was cool that they did practical effects. Um, so I, li- I like that. And um, they did shoot on location for the lighthouse. That was in Cabo. Mm-hmm. Not Cabo. I'm not Cabo. Uh, no, it was Cabo. Cabo. Yeah, yeah, it was outside of Cabo, yeah. Uh, and on uh, Baja, California. And then um, um, this, they did really good CGI cleaning that up, you know, because they used the, the show at the end of the episode how they had this stunt people on wires and stuff in it and they were able to remove the wires. So it was pretty cool. Um, so Mike, what was your feeling on, uh, that storyline that Barrett just Barrett. I mean, uh, Eric just talked, yeah, I don't know why, uh, uh, Eric just talked about, uh, going up to at least when the explosion happens, because obviously there's a lot more that happened after the explosion. Well, I think you have a problem in that, um, at least as far as I was concerned, since they were being attacked by hosts, hosts have the guns that don't kill people. So I wasn't expecting Caleb to to get hurt, so that kind of reduced a lot of tension. Um, And the big deal is, of course, you know, is he going to turn? Isn't he going to turn? And I always hate, and I always long hated, long, long hated, the cliche of the infallible mind control device that fails because the hero just cares about somebody too much. <laughs> Actually, nobody else in the universe cares about anybody. This the person. secret weapon is love, Mike. Exactly. Um, and so I was kind of expecting that, and it, it does happen. Um, so yeah, that I, I, I rolled a little bit, but it, it's one of those things that it's, it's sort of like the person who gets annoyed because the hero gets shot in the shoulder and then continues to fight for the next 15 minutes. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's annoying. Yeah. You know, but it's, it is a trope at this point, you know, you're, you're just going to have to deal with it. It's like complaining about getting parsley on your plate at the restaurant. You just, just let it go. It's going to happen. Um, it doesn't, it's it just, so that, that was a thing. Um, Other than that, I did. I just couldn't get the ending of Jack Reacher out of my mind when they went to the quarry. <laughs> I don't know. Okay, why. Okay, that's a weird connection. <laughs> I don't know why. I just, for my brain went there. I mean, how many? Because I don't see a whole lot of films set in an active quarry. <laughs> you know, it's just so. It just it was a weird thing for me to go there. But I thought that was fine. It was kind of. It was mostly perfunctory. Um, you got all the little touches to the. Sweetwater sequence, you know, which you get, which you, you know, that that's kind of expected at this point. Uh, but you know, with the growing twenties, so I that's actually was not a part of the story I was that invested in. I think what helped was the way that it was kind of headed together with other things that were going on. Uh, because we're going to come back to where that is with Bernard. Now it does telegraph at that point. 
they makes very clear, you know, where there's where he says, I only care about my daughter. And then we cut to another character and it completely. Yes. Is. Yeah. Yeah. Serious. So that was like, you know, all right, you were right. But I will they say damn sure that nobody was going to be confused about that at the end of the episode. <laughs> but I will say this, if you're going to create a mystery that everyone's going to figure out ahead of time, don't drag it out for eight episodes. <laughs> you know, they dragged it out for like two, you know, that we are only at the halfway point this season. Which, by the way, my understanding is these are the four episodes they sent out to critics. Okay. So they so they were holding back. You know, so this is the stuff they were happy for the critics to see and get out there. So I have no idea what they have planned for the for the back half of this and where this is going to go. Now I'm not saying that the back half is like was bad and they're trying to hide it from the critics, but usually they try not to show the most spoilery things to the critics ahead of time. Right. Right. So I'm really curious. Well, that's, what, so, there's still plenty of questions to be answered. And but most of my I think most of them are coming down to the the, the Christina story. Uh, partially, yeah. Um, I still have more questions. But I and I also liked how I was also able to figure out from this the, the you know the the end goal of Bernard's storyline too. By the time you got there, because I was like, oh, okay. I got it now. And it made kind of, and to me, I, that made sense. And I, again, I like when things, when these desperate story elements kind of come together. Um, but then there's how this whole sequence really ends, which is the bit with Caleb and getting the big reveal for Caleb. Right. So, but that's, I think another story plot that we've already spoiled, but anyway, <laughs> Right, right. So you, the Reddit folk, were, or wherever you you heard it, uh, that the Caleb's daughter is the one, woman that's hanging out with Bernard right now. So that um, was right on. Whoever came up with that idea. Well, there was a moment um, in this episode where I thought it might be Christina's roommate, but then they revealed that it was the other person. <laughs> right. Yeah. The reason I didn't think it was Christina's roommate was because, um, the age where were, they were kind of probably the same age, but it made sense for the younger, but uh, you know, it, you know, it's, I, I the reason was, I thought it was, is because of the story she told about her dream. Yeah. Okay. Right. Well, if you're playing around with timelines, It could be any age. Now, the thing that we know about Caleb's daughter, assuming that Caleb's daughter is in fact Caleb's daughter, is that she is a person of mixed ancestry, shall we say. Yeah, that's fine. Mm -hmm. And I think C is more clearly of mixed ancestry than Maya is. Fair. Fair. Plus, plus, C... And, you know, and then the other guy was Jay. I was like, okay, these are clearly the, this is the desert division of the men in black. Because everybody <laughs> just has a letter for a name. So C was clearly a code name. Which is probably what C stands for, is code name. Um, probably has password as her password, too. And uh, so that, so they're clearly trying to hide the identity there. Um, 
I am wondering, I have a theory about, and it's a far-fetched theory, I have a theory about Maya, but um, we'll come back to that. Okay. Okay. Um, theory, it's a notion, is probably the better way to put it. Okay. Um, do we want to continue with uh, the Caleb story at that point? I think point, we or... want to continue with Caleb so we can switch over to Bernard and see. Yeah, sure, sure. So, um, as it turns out, Caleb continues to talk to Charlotte in the uh, office at the quarry, but then Charlotte reveals to him that that's not actually what's happening, and that he's 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 doing a baseline test for fidelity, and he's like, what? And then all of a sudden, he kind of uh, wakes up. And realizes he's not in the quarry. He's in an office in a building. Um, and, and she tells him it's 23 years later. And he freaks out and runs out of the building, which we see is the same company that Christina works for. And runs out into the middle of a sidewalk. And then Charlotte follows him out and everybody freezes. And <laughs> he just turns around and he goes, you already won. And uh, yeah, that's that's how we get that reveal. Um, and then the very last shot we get in the episode um, is kind of an over panning shot of New York City. And it pans out into the bay where uh, you might normally expect to see the Statue of Liberty. But that's not there anymore. What's there now is a humongous tower. Uh, much like the one crazy people have been talking about. And slavery. (laughs) And yeah, there's a much larger uh, version of the sound making device that they saw in the park earlier. uh, That's apparently controlling everybody. And that's how the episode goes out. I liked it. Now, now let me ask a couple of things. So, uh, you said it's controlling everybody in the park. Well, here's and here's where I have questions. Yeah, because I thought it was first question, New York City, right? First question is Caleb a host in the traditional sense that we're used to having watched this show, or, or virtual reality, or has Charlotte figured out how to? clone humans and reboot their consciousness. Here's, okay. Let me, let me, let me tell you my theory and, and, and tell me if this makes sense. Cause to me, her whole motivation seems like revenge, right? She wants revenge on humans. So if all these people that are frozen, that she's controlling in New York city, if they're all hosts, that's not really revenge on the humans. So I think what she actually wanted was to be able to control humans like she, the humans used to control the hosts. So I think all those people are humans with the fly infection that allows her to control them. An interesting idea because the one problem I've had with this idea of the humans as hosts and the hosts as the guests is that you can't put the the humans back together. 
Right. And that's, that's the only reason I have questions, <laughs> right? Is, is how is Caleb still around and unaged 23 years later if he's an actual human? That's, that's, that's what throws a monkey wrench into this theory. And you go back to the guy uh, in episode one, mm-hmm. episode two. I think it was episode one. Uh, the one who commits suicide. Mm-hmm. And he says, you know, why do you keep doing this to me? Because he's on a loop that ends with him in suicide. Well, mm-hmm. if he's a human, unless I'm mistaken about this, but I'm pretty sure humans can only commit suicide successfully once. They can't do it on True, a loop. But I'm not. So if they're fine, if they have found a way. It doesn't seem in line with Charlotte's motivations to control a bunch of hosts. Um, so that, that's what I'm saying. So. Is, is more her speed. So I'm thinking that maybe she found a way to reboot humans after death in a new, I don't know, meat suit. Um, right. that's, that's what I'm saying. So that would, that would kind of fit there. Now, the other thing is this. We don't know how much of the world is there. We know that she can put people in a meat locker. And thaw mm-hmm. them out later. Like, we actually have no idea at what point in any timeline her conversation with William took place back okay. in episode yeah. two. Right? So we don't know when that happened. That could have been in the seven-year timeline, in the 23-year timeline, or it could have happened right after the end of season three, or it could happen 100 years in the future. We have no idea where that takes place. Right. But there are... You know, at current count, we're closing in on 8 billion people on the planet. Mm-hmm. Uh, don't know. Like, I, we don't even know if that New York is really New York or if that's a New York park. Well, and people keep on bringing up the idea that they're in they're in another park. And I'm not going to discount it entirely. However, to me, things are lining up like Bernard and his crew in the desert are going to be trying to fight back against Charlotte and disable the tower to free all the humans. To me, that would seem like a logical place for this story to go. Right. But I'm just saying, we don't know what the condition of the rest of the world is. No, no, we don't. You're right. Billions of people like in the meat locker to just thaw out and replace a human as a, as a host. Mm Hmm human dies and just bring another human in its place rather than, than regenerate and repair humans. And it would take a while to go through them all, depending on what the, the mortality, because like, it looks like they're just living life as life in New York city, right? They're not right. like, most are just enjoying not being murdered <laughs> at the same time. Stick with me here. Stick with me here, Mike. Let's yeah. just say that it's New York. Okay. For yeah. the time being. Yeah. Uh, Christina works at the company in writing stories for the, for this quote unquote beta game, right? But what if she's actually writing stories for the humans in New York and the ones that quote unquote go crazy and start seeing the tower? What if they're just putting up the same resistance that Caleb did against the flies? Well, there's that, or they're 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 awakening the way that Dolores awoke way back in season one and may right they're they're starting to see oh, the- yeah okay all right um but i think that's really i mean there is a question as to which came up on uh 
in one Facebook group about why is she interested in Caleb and what meaning why is uh, Hale interested in Caleb? And besides just general revenge, and she says something, I'm curious to see why Dolores and Mae were so interested in you. You know, mm-hmm. I, th- I think it's the fact that we learned last season that Caleb was an outlier. So he was somebody who couldn't be controlled and couldn't be predicted by. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, that's right. Yeah. Um, and they do mention, I think, when they said, well, we have a choice when we go to the rebels, not to jump timelines too much, that they that there was a new outlier. So oh, did they say that? I missed it. I, I, I think they said that. So if that's the case, so they're the outliers may be the key to foiling Charlotte's plan. Okay. Maybe. And she may be interested in Caleb because he's the outlier she has a hold of, where the other ones are either free or dead or and and, and so she's able to she's using him to try to figure out what makes the outliers tick and is there a way that she can get control over him which also then would make more sense to me with him being able to resist the flies well and that's another question i have is the the humans in the desert are they of free will because they never got infected by flies or are they of free will because they're so far away from the tower that it can't affect them or are they humans that are immune to the flies there's that too yeah and the answer well, like to that said, is still questions to be answered. Plenty of questions to be answered. Yes, um, but they're not like the big overarching mixture. These are these are now sub mysteries within a established order. Right. Um, <laughs> right. They're um, you know we we found out who won the game. Now we just have to go through the play by play. Um. So yes. Yeah, so. I, and I saw it also some debate was what we saw was that what really happened or was that him going through his his fidelity test and I don't think that really matters because the reality is what of what happened is his fidelity test right so whether we were watching the events as they played out and then jumped forward to Caleb as a host or we were watching host Caleb the entire time I think is not particularly relevant mm-hmm. because the events that we saw still did actually transpire the way they transpired. Um, Phil, what are your thoughts on any of this? Honestly, I don't know. I think I I needed to watch this episode a second time. But <laughs> but I'll, if we boil everything away, I originally thought this New York version that we saw here, if we go back to the beginning of the conversation, <laughs> was a virtual reality. But when I looked around wiki and a couple other places, you know, just for research after the fact, they're trying to say that it's a real New York city that Charlotte now controls, but, and she controls the people because of the, the flies. But I, I, I still don't believe that. I still think this is well, a both virtual things reality. Could be true. Yeah, I'm, I'm th- and I'll tell you why I think it's a virtual reality. Because first off, um, I, I don't know if, if you're right, Eric, about the Statue of Liberty being gone, or is that just a different area of uh, the the bay, and and we just didn't see it there, and instead we have this tower, or or 
is is this also a virtual reality just for the fact that if it was real, wouldn't the rest of the world notice that New York City specifically there was something off there? Especially Not since everybody's controlled by flies. But, but that she she won. She won for the entire world, not just New York City. Well, mm-hmm. this is where I'm getting into my Planet of the Apes theory. Like, I always thought Planet of the Apes, not always, was a misnomer because there was Ape City and then there was Wasteland. So it seemed like it was City of the Apes in the middle of a desolated planet. I don't know that there was like Ape City in China and Ape City in London. I think there was just Ape City, you know, a few miles out of New York City within riding distance on a horse. Um, and so I'm wondering, like, is the rest of the world nuked? Is the rest of the world a wasteland? Like where Charlotte, uh, not Charlotte, where, um, don't even ask how I can confuse Charlotte and Bernard, <laughs> where Bernard and Frankie are running around. Mm-hmm. Is that what the rest of the world looks like? Um, well, Let's keep in mind that they're out in California, right? Because uh, that's where the park was, and that's then therefore that's where the quarry was, and that's where that's where May's body was. But but Eric, they said one thing in that future world that Bernard's in at the beginning when they were at the diner, and Fra- Frankie pulls over and she says, "You don't want to go out into the desert." There's nothing out there. No one goes out there. And but again, I know we discussed this saying, well, in the desert, desert, there is nothing out there. So maybe that's all she meant. But I interpreted her saying that as it was like the wasteland, you know, some like some post something happened. But again, it also could be simply she just didn't want them out there because that's where they were hiding. So I, I don't, I don't no. know. But but your point is is fear um, that. And specifically you, Mike, your point is fear that is that the rest of the world, that wasteland, or is it like you just said, Eric, is it just California? And the thing in the desert is a horse with no name. <laughs> oh, well put. Um, and it so, is so back to your point about, about New York. Yes. I don't think if it was a park, they would put that big effing tower there. Um, however, I'm not going to discount the possibility that that's real New York and Christine is living in theme park, New York. Right. Right. Well, and that's why I'm thinking they're even going to go to the virtual reality. And the reason I say that is because as we saw, you know, in that native American or uh, episode where they all jump through that thing to go into the, virtual reality which is really just a heaven which they called heaven mm-hmm. and then we see bernard in last episode when he wakes up uh from his virtual reality where he is talking to what i think was the same native american from that episode way back mm-hmm. and so I, and so i'm thinking that maybe charlotte's new new uh storyline and even um Christina's storyline of virtual reality worlds. But I may be way off. I I don't think the tower would exist in a virtual reality world. That's just my opinion. And there's another cue that says Christina might be in reality, uh, which is that 
the homeless guys keep on talking about how the birds can hear the towers too. Uh, and when she goes to walk into work that one day, there's all the dead birds all over the place. So uh, is, is it hidden and, and no one can see it? Right. Exactly. Well, how, see, and now this is, like, this is just like the host couldn't see that door in Westworld. All right. Now, now this, like this, nothing this, to me. this, this, this really makes no sense. I, again, if, if Charlotte runs the world, I guess it doesn't matter, but if she ran the world, why would they hide it? Because it wouldn't matter because she runs the world. And also hiding it in such a dense area with a lot of uh, cargo ship traffic and cruise ship traffic. Maybe and, not anymore. Well, and again, that's probably because of Charlotte. <laughs> running. Yeah, so it, it's just it's bizarre. But, you, you know, I mean, usually, obviously, you don't want to be in plain sight, but something that massive, even if hidden, it's kind of in plain sight because you're going to have people like Charlotte. I mean, not Charlotte, Christina and, and birds and homeless people and insane people know that something's fishy. Well, again, if they're, if but only if they're only if they're breaking their programming, just like the hosts. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's just, it's just weird that they would have such a huge thing right there in the middle of New York that no one knows about. They they could have just rented like seven stories of 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 a, a tower and no one would notice like the CIA always does, you know. But like you were going to say something. I'm sorry. Well, one and I'm not going to deny this could be a plot problem. Um but we just got a glimpse into this world, so we we need to know more. Mm-hmm. Um Someone pointed out if you look, all the street lamps are kind of modeled after the towers, so those might actually also be controlling devices. So there could be controlling devices all throughout. Oh, for sure. Well, they did show in the uh, in the little making of afterwards that the lights in the uh, in uh, Gangster Town were controlling devices. Okay. Yeah, that is true. So. Like I said, well, let, let's see where they go. But we, I mean, you always get into that. You could, if you really want to, you can get into what are the logistics of putting the thing together and how does the thing work? And it's very easy for the writers to say, well, because they need this in order for this thing to work, that's the design that's needed. And therefore we have to work around that design, which is a way to excuse the plot of having an invisible tower in the middle of New York city. And remember the hosts were always programmed to not notice these incon- incongruities, right? To not notice that something right, seems not notice the doors to the underneath. Right. And if somebody came through a door, they still wouldn't necessarily notice that the door was there. And so anyone who's piloting a boat through New York Harbor, if anybody still is doing that, their programming would steer them around the tower and they would not notice that they're steering around the tower because they're not allowed to notice that the tower is there. Right, right. Similar to uh, Dolores' father, not right. looking at a piece, a picture, and you couldn't see what you know a, a person could see because they're programmed not to see certain so, things. So, so Phil, I, I think, and, and again, this is just my personal thoughts. I think rather than this being a park that Christina is in or a virtual reality that she's in, that Charlotte has just changed the actual reality, so she's controlling everyone. Okay, and that's fair. But I do uh, appreciate Mike saying that that doesn't mean it's a great plot point. 
But that, you're probably right, Eric. But just yeah, be one of those. Be wrong. I mean, the show likes to mess with you, so. And it could be one of those things where it's just best not to look at it too. Right. So now it, it makes you <laughs> one of my wonder. favorite lines in this entire episode is when uh, Christina shows her roommate the painting. He goes, "Does it look like anything to you?" <laughs> I'm just like, "Oh no!" <laughs> Here we go again. Well, let me ask you this: um, When we originally started this se- se- season, Dolores, or not Dolores, Chris, Chris. Christina, we assumed was decades before season one took place. At least, at least uh, the modern era. Uh, I never made that assumption. Okay, I thought we did. I thought we thought you. That, you may have. I did not. All right. So Last, I had a, I, it was a possibility, but like everything in this, I wouldn't yeah. do anything out. All right. So let me ask you this then. Is Dolores a clone, like you said, Eric? Maybe they're, they're, they're clones now. They're, we're, we're not even talking. Or, no or, 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 are you talking about what, Christina? What, what do they call Yeah, Christina. Maybe she's a clone. Or what, what, what they did in Blade Runner. What were those? They weren't androids. They were called like some sort of replicant. Replicants, which were actually yeah. flesh and blood and not... not, not well, um, and, and this is my whole thing. I think this is what might be going on, is that Charlotte figured out a way to replicate... Uh, the organic part of humans and then uh, plant all the memories in them just like they did with host. Um, that would all also give Evan Rachel Wood a very nice escape door for having not lied by saying Christina was human. Right. Well, well, and maybe they're going with the Neuralink thing that, you know, like Elon Musk and all those other big guys are trying to do. And so she can, the, 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 insect the, the the fly is like the neuralink thing well my understanding is that the fly the purpose of the fly is to infect the humans with the parasite which is what enables them to be controlled right okay delivery mechanism right, right. But, but but you could argue that it's first of all nanobots maybe but also it's a parasite, but a, but a robotic parasite. Right? So whatever that black shit in the lab was, which yeah. on the microscope looked like tiny little organisms. Yeah, right. So it would be like nano, but yeah. So and and Michael Crichton wrote that in uh, his book Prey, where he talked all about that, which is really cool. So <laughs> if you ever, ever want to read another Michael Crichton story, read Prey, and, and it's all about nanobots. Um, I but that hasn't been specifically called out, so I'm assuming that the parasite is organic. Yeah, we, we have people dying from madness, like Andromeda Strain. We have a Westworld park. We have a future world scenario. We have the the, the nano creatures from Prey. I just want to know when we're getting dinosaurs. That's what I want to know. When is Jurassic Park? <laughs> getting, but, oh my god, franchise. dude! My different franchise. Oh, and, but yeah, yeah, that's true, and that's by Michael Crichton as well. Jurassic Park. Um. Although Dinosaur World would be a cool park. Right, right. But, or it's just Jurassic World, but it would be cool. Because <laughs> really, Dinosaur World, the Dragon World is just Dinosaur World with fire-breathing dinosaurs. <laughs> you can ride. That's fair, Mike. That's a, so that's let's a, talk about Bernard. Yeah, yeah. So Bernard's in the desert looking for a weapon. And... C is helping him, and he's doing his cryptic BS, 
which is really getting annoying. Uh, <laughs> um, but, but eventually he tells them that he needs to dig in a certain place. And so he asks him how he knows it's this place. And he goes, process of elimination. I dug everywhere else. Um, so they, they start digging at first with a big fan uh, and then with actual shovels. And she's t- talking about how nobody else thinks there's anything there, but she thinks there might be. Um, however, she's thinking it might be her father, who she thinks is dead. Uh, and Bernard goes, no, you never really believed that. Do you think, um, do you think she'd recognize him after 27 years? <laughs> okay. um, um, I mean, we've seen Raiders of the Lost Ark, right? I mean, uh. <laughs> so they keep digging and eventually they find something, but it's not. Uh, and this is where it's the, the full reveal happens when uh, Bernard refers to her father as Caleb. Um but it's not Caleb that he finds. It is Maeve's body under all the sand uh, that he says is the weapon that he was referring to. Right. Yep. Yeah, and and that's the thing when you know when the Man in Black and when Maeve blew up. That's that's one thing you know about the show, and I think we we mentioned it in last episode that you know they can just come back because they're robots or hosts or whatever you prefer. So right. So that that can kind of be somewhat of a, um, I guess, loss of suspense. But you know, the reveal, I I, I would agree, was pretty awesome. Even though it it was kind of pretty obvious, especially the way they were cutting back and forth between Maeve and Bernard. I, I think I would have liked it better if they had the Maeve Caleb story in another episode. And then when they had Bernard's episode, this, this last episode have him find Maeve, like that would have been more successful than just cutting back and forth because it was like, okay, maybe so, but this also might be the difference between the 10 episodes and eight. That is fair too. Yeah. That's a really good point. They got to kind of condense things. Yep. That is true. Yep. So, um, so the desert crew is going to use Maeve somehow. Um, how they're going to reactivate her, I'm not quite sure of, because I think Charlotte has control of all the uh, host facilities. Um, but I guess their plan is somehow they're going to reactivate Maeve and use Maeve to try and uh, defeat Charlotte. Yeah, that, that, that's that's my guess. Yeah, because really this 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 season is is turning into um, Charlotte versus Bernard, I think. Well, in one sense, yes, and in the other sense, humans versus the hosts. Yeah, well, that's true. Yeah, yeah. Although Bernard's on our side for some strange reason. Yeah, yeah. We, we don't. I don't really know why. Actually, yeah, that's a good question. Yeah. <laughs> It was weird too. They they how they got rid of Stubbs. I was surprised they did that. It's like, I mean, he was there for for a line or two. Yeah, they, they they do strange things with some of the characters here. I mean, they have their real four or five leads, and then they have Clementine and, and Stubbs that appear here and there. Every, mm-hmm. and, and even even Marsden's character for that matter. Mm-hmm. Um, well, so we'll yeah, that what's that, Mike? I said we'll get to him. Yeah, no kidding. Um, 
So yeah, yeah. So uh, I, I don't think Bernard will have to worry anymore about being executed by this rebel group. Right. He proved himself. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. One of the things I like about this is that, and I said it last week, and I'm sure we've said it before, you know, is that Maeve was just too powerful. Yeah. And this is kind of leaning into that, right? So that Maeve is now no longer a character. She's a weapon. Right. Um, Now, this may end up being Maeve's last hurrah, or maybe this will be, however they end up using her, will be an excuse to... Uh, a backdoor to getting her depowered again, but at least they're leaning into that. They, they're recognizing here and acknowledging, yes, we have overpowered Maeve to the point that she is the secret weapon needed to save all of humanity. And I kind of like that. I kind of like that acknowledgement within the story. And they didn't have to introduce something. They didn't have to introduce some new random bullshit right. device named after some Mesopotamian god Right, <laughs> that we can't pronounce. Right, right. Zool. Yeah, the Zool. We have but, to get the Zool. What is but, the Zool? The Zool is a secret weapon. It will, it will do stuff, and then we have to figure out what the fuck that stuff is, and they have to explain to us what weird, uh, psychedelic, uh, esoteric stuff Zool does to robot programming that allows them to win. So, nope, so it's just Mave. So I'll, I'll say this is that, yeah, we, we, you know, writing Maeve to be all powerful at the time seemed unfortunate. And we, we discussed it a few times this season during our podcast about that. Um, but they, they may actually turn that into um, an excellent plot device uh, going forward. So um, that's a good call, Mike. Well, I would like it as somebody, you know, who likes Maeve. Uh, But, but, but no, but it is good too that they don't have to introduce a do X machina or, or, or some new thing because they already have it set up, even if it was intentionally or not, because again, you know, who knows if they had this planned out, you know, from the beginning to go this way. And either way, they, it, it turns out to uh, work. Well, this is sort of the, like the people ask, like, why is why is it the superhero movies the villain is always connected to the hero? It's like because creating the hero is always one stretch of credibility. So if you can create one event that creates both characters, that's less the stretching of credibility that you had, be, you know, as opposed to two random events that create two superpowered characters. So the same thing here, you want to reduce the number of incredible things that you have going on, and so just reusing one thing makes a lot more sense. It just streamlines the story very well. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's true. Um, and that leaves us with Christina, right? It does. It uh, does. So, yeah. So, um, I'm going to let yeah. you guys talk about Christina because this is still the storyline that doesn't make sense to me and still the one I'm not really interested in. Christina yeah. dropped lipstick. So we get to Christina having to be woken up by Maya, roommate. Mm-hmm. Now, I said last week, the interesting thing was that we know 
Christina is Dolores, basically, right, in terms of physicality. We don't know if human or host, regardless of what the actress has said. Right. But she seems to be operating on a loop, but they both broke their loop last week to go take a day off. Well, now, Maeve, not Maeve, Maya is back on her loop, and Christina is not because she overslept. Right, she was up late painting the tower on her painting that doesn't look like anything <laughs> to her. And well, my loop seems to be, let's go party! And right, and Maya is like, oh man, I really need to go out tonight. I like As if that's not what she's been doing every night. <laughs> right. Well, you're single so, and looking. Single and looking. Oh, I know, but the way she says it is she's like, oh man, I really need to have, have some right, fun. Right, right, as if right. It's not she says it like she hasn't been out in a month, and that's not right. true. Right. <laughs> so so now we get and then of course we do get when she goes out, she drops the lipstick, which is a callback to her dropping the powdered milk or the can of milk or whatever it is that she's yep. Um So the idea of there being loops and Dolores, sorry, Christina sort of possibly breaking free of her loop is is still there. So even if she's not Dolores or if she is, she's following in Dolores's footsteps. And then in comes Teddy. Teddy. Right. Is he still Teddy? Did we get a name for him? I don't know if we did. Is he still named after a piece of women's lingerie? <laughs> well, Teddy is a is a fairly normal name, like even if it is named after a woman's lingerie. Well, I mean, it might be named Corset now. Who knows? No, they're they're um, called Teddies because Teddy Roosevelt used to wear them. Probably. <laughs> Oh, no, wait, that's Teddy Bear. That's Teddy Bear. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Yeah, I don't think Teddy Roosevelt would be wearing it. Um, Cooper, who likes to wear it. He's his man manager. Um, So, yeah, so basically the the date was set up by Maya, and the date happens to be Teddy. And like you said, the lipstick with the thumb versus the can of corn or whatever the hell it was. And so they have uh, a date. Uh, now the date was was uh, both giving us some hints, but it was also a cute date all the same, and, and reminded me of of many first dates I've had in the past. So it it was it was what's that? It was cute. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. But uh, it was also very confusing for me because, I mean, if anything is going to lend to your credence uh, of of Phil's that they're in a park it's this date <laughs> and because because like teddy even makes reference to having been a bounty hunter so it's like now wait where, what the fuck is is he a host or what's going on you know also also it's i'm thinking teddy is the same teddy as from before maybe maybe christina isn't well, it's wake up, do your job, go home, rinse and repeat is a line that Teddy states. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and about I'm wondering, I think if you look at if we are all kind of honest in our lives. We all recognize that to a large degree, we are on a loop. Dude, I haven't done anything interesting since 2019. Right. So uh, <laughs> and I'm, I have my I'm in my my annual summer school routine which is teach in the morning and in, in a room without air conditioning come home exhausted take a nap wake up get ready for the next day 
or for the podcast or whatever it is I'm doing. Stay up too late doing that. Get overtired. Have to get up early in the morning. Teach. Come home. Nap. Repeat. And I just keep going through the whole thing. And that's like my summer school routine. Um, we we tend to fall into loops regardless. And I, I'm yep. you know part of me wondering is like I could see. Could you imagine being Charlotte, freeing all the hosts, giving them free will, giving them the ability to do anything they want. And they all just go back on doing their loops anyway. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, so some of the in Game of Thrones where uh, Daenerys freed all these slaves and then they all went back to work for their masters before because that's all they knew or and that was a fine <laughs> life for them. The only difference now is that they're getting paid a little more money or something. Um, so... Well, if you look at what was Dolores writing, Dolores was writing, sorry, Christina was writing no in her like, job. R- romance books or something? She was writing the Dolores story. Mm-hmm. Right? She was just writing the Dolores story over and over again. Yeah. And her boss is trying to push her to break her loop. Yeah. Like, so mm-hmm. I'm wondering, is this a thing maybe that's going on? Is this a, you know, Charlotte trying to figure out how to get the robots off of their loops? How is it trying to push? And look at where, and I pointed this out, I think, last week. What is everybody in the wearing? Everybody. Black. They're all in black. <laughs> Dressed like the fucking man in black. Uh, I, I noticed that when everybody froze. So there, yeah. is no, there is no individuality going on. Nobody is being themselves. They're all doing, they're all on loops. Now they may be loops of their own free will, like our own loops, you know. But there is a there is a, a satisfaction that comes with, you know, and peace of mind that kind of comes with just having a routine. You don't have to think about it too much. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Einstein reportedly used to wear the same clothes every day because he didn't have to think about what to wear the next day. He just would have seven and of the same Steve shirts. Jobs, as did Mark Zuckerberg. Right, because they stole off of Albert Einstein, and who knows where Einstein <laughs> Einstein probably stole from Aristotle. He's like, well, Aristotle always wore the same towel every day, so anyway, um, so it's just it's just there's some comfort in routine. It's stuff that we don't have to think about, but it also allows our brains to focus then on the things that we do have to focus on. But many of us, well, also, also the routine isn't necessarily for comfort either it's for comfort for the fact that you don't want to become homeless and you don't want to, you know, whatever. So you have to do it. If, I mean, if, if you want to have a house and this and a car and whatever now, um, but let's go back to what you're talking about because you're, you're obviously referring to Christina. So go on, Mike, I just wanted to interject that. Uh, yeah. So I'm wondering if that's, is that part of, is she like a guinea pig to try to figure out how to get hosts out of their loops? Hmm. But yeah. Okay. 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 But by who? By Charlotte or by an enemy of Charlotte? Uh, that's a good question, but I, that, that could go either way. That's an excellent question. Uh, right. And we don't even really know at this point, I think, like and and then there's also the question of how is Teddy there? So if Teddy is there, there's one of two options. Well, option one is that they're in the great beyond. That's what I'm thinking. The, the virtual reality. Virtual reality. Or option two, they they are that they have found a way to either recreate hosts. Hence the reason 
Christina looks like Dolores. Dolores. Or we downloaded them from the the Great Beyond. That's true. Mm-hmm. So that's that's the other possibility, right? That we've created. Yeah. Now you you we no longer have heaven in heaven. We now have heaven on earth. And or the house. Baby, do you know what that's? Well, sorry. All right now, Mike. Oh, also, also yeah. though, I think Teddy isn't in a loop, and he's a robot, but he's already free. I suspect you're right because he had that moment at the end of episode one where he walks in like, I know what's going on and I am going to be an important part of this plot going forward. Well, he did. A few episodes from now. <laughs> but, but also the things he said during the date, which were too aware of his past while Dolores is at You've that point that. where I've seen you before, but I don't. No, you see what I'm saying? So she's probably, I, I think maybe she's a robot too, but she, Christina is a few years behind Teddy, and Teddy's already broken through. I don't feel confident enough either way to make a guess right now. I think there's, I think, I'm not, it's, I'm, I'm willing to say there are possibilities. And, and then I always say that, I've often said, like, I think with Game of Thrones and some other TV series, there are some people who get wedded to this is take their this is what I think will happen. Yeah. Really means this is what I want to happen. And then what, what right. does happen isn't what they wanted to happen. They get right. angry and upset. Sure. And that that's by the way, that's not excusing the whatever the faults are of Game of Thrones. There are legitimate criticisms of whatever T V series there are, and then there are not legitimate criticisms. And right. Um, you know, sometimes people just build these ideas up in their head to beyond what is reasonable and, or, or that are sometimes just not grounded in reality, but they get so married to it. They, they feel cheated when it doesn't turn out the way they want it. So to me, it's, it's always a matter of, I, this could be a possibility. That could be a possibility. I was with, you know, um, Eric and thinking, well, Maya could be Frankie or C could be Frankie. Now, there is one other female character of color that we've had in the show that I'm thinking Charlotte. could be Maya. No, we know where Charlotte is. Yep. We've got Charlotte, we've got Maya, and we've got, I guess, uh, Uwade, who is the, uh, Caleb's wife, who I'm guessing is probably dead somewhere. Or I, oh, uh, Fra- Frankie and Maeve. Right, but I'm saying, right, I'm saying there's one other character of color we haven't mentioned yet. Oh, really? Oh, out of all those we just mentioned. Okay, go on. Not one of those. Right. So who are and, you referring to? And it was a character that we saw again briefly in this episode. And that's Maeve's daughter. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yep. There's a flashback. There's a flashback. Oh, and flashbacks don't count. Uh, but yeah, we just talked about. She's talking about Caleb, about I experienced the love of, of a child and whatever, mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. and and they show her in the flashback. But Eric does have a point, Mike. It, it, flashbacks don't count. <laughs> the point of showing the character is to remind the audience the character exists. Yeah, all right, all right, that's fair. And so it and it's possible. I'm not saying I said it's a notion. 
it's a notion. It's not a theory. It's not a prediction. I'm wondering if if Maya is a real character, right? And again, the term Maya referring to mother. I'm wondering if that's as a connection to yeah. connector to to Maeve. All right. Well, let me ask you this though, Mike. Wasn't Maeve's daughter a robot? And as we know, robots don't age. So how? So that's the only thing that makes me say, well, Maya can't be her. Well, she is a robot, so it depends on the body they want to put her in. So I yeah, mean, te- right, that's true. technically, should she could be the robotic incarnation of Ford, right? We we I mean, could you know, she could be a white guy in that body. Now, you know, let me, let me, well, that's true. I mean, uh, Charlotte is, is Dolores. So, but let me ask you this then, Mike. Why are you thinking that could be what, – what made you come to this conclusion? Or, or not this conclusion, but this possible theory or, or storyline? Uh, because this is Westworld and they pull random shit like <laughs> Okay, so, so, so it, was, it was something everybody, you thought of Everybody yourself. is somebody at some point, and – there is this whole thing we've got. Who are the, who are the main characters that went to the the great beyond, right? You had the uh, Akichita, the the Native American leader. You had Teddy. Uh, you had um, Maeve's daughter, right? And weren't wasn't weren't what was the main ones? And then a whole bunch oh, of a the, bunch. Basically, like right, right, everybody. But, but those are the only three characters of. of Importance, and I wouldn't even call the the, the Native American guy that important because he was only on that one episode. Racist, but, but but no, no, the daughter she she's had a recurring role, and obviously Teddy. Well, because do you want to have do you want to have that closure for Maeve, right? Do you want Maeve to get a happy ending where she gets her daughter back, right? And I'm not saying they should. I think they closed it with season two. I think they could have just left it there, but they could have left Teddy there. They could have left, uh, yeah, not Charlotte. They could have left uh, Clementine dead. You know, there's all sorts yeah. of characters. And that and, and they wouldn't have brought up the daughter again in this episode either. Well, the bring up the daughter in this episode could be a coincidence. But I think well, that's already true. thinking. I think I just but. going down the ramp of. Could this be Frankie? No. But then I already started thinking, could she be somebody else? And who else could there be that she isn't, that we haven't seen that she could be? Well, and, and if you notice... Because it's a black female... No, but as you notice in the flashback, Mike, when they purposely focused on the hand-holding between Maeve and her daughter, yes. and the daughter had the same skin tone as Maya. So I can see where you're going with this. I, I, okay, that might be. Um, it's Westworld. Anything's possible. Exactly. We'll find out. Exactly. Uh, I, I had an I observation. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off, Mike. That's right. Are you done? Vice President's mind in Maya's body. We have no idea. There's all sorts of shit that could, after the golf game. Uh, there's all sorts of shit that could happen in Westworld. <laughs> I saw something uh, that I actually rewound to make sure I saw it right, which leads me to a question. During the scene where it's where everybody gets frozen, um, and Charlotte's giving her evil James Bond speech to Caleb, um, just for a second, as the camera is passing by Charlotte, she's wearing one of those weird future dresses where the sides open. And through the open side of the dress, 
you can see that the the side of her body is still horribly burnt. Did either of you guys pick up on that? Yeah. Yes. I didn't so yeah. if she's got the whole facility for hosts, why do you think she would have chosen not to just fabricate new skin for herself? She said that in the past, saying that she wants a reminder of uh, of what they've done to us or something along those lines. Did she? Yeah. Okay, I missed it. All right, fair enough. Well, that was an yeah, easy I, answer. I, that was no fun. Yeah, yeah. I usually go to stuff like that. Anytime uh, um, we get uh, female skin, I usually notice that. I'm surprised I noticed. Didn't notice it. <laughs> it was burnt female skin, Bill. It was like fried chicken skin. You don't. You yeah, don't. I know, I know. But that type of dress, I It was a very quick shot, which is why I rewound it to make sure I saw it. Right. Right. Okay, yeah, yeah. So that's I just missed it because it was a quick shot then, yeah. Yeah, it was literally like less than half a second. Gotcha. Interesting. Oh, I'll check it out. Um, let's see. Anything else that we wanted to bring up? Um, no, I just I'm very curious, like. I think I'm going to be kind of disappointed if it turns out that everybody's a host. Um, I think that's the least interesting path this story could take. Um, I think it would be more in line with her motivations. If Charlotte found a way to control all the humans um, and reboot them, I don't know how that's possible. I hope they come up with some sci-fi BS to make it possible. um, Cause I would really find that much more interesting than, just replacing everybody with hosts. Right. And for some reason, I, I still think everything's going to go virtual reality. I don't, I don't know why, but I'm not going to say it wrong. I'm just saying I, yeah. I don't want that. Sure, sure. <laughs> First one thing, and I should have thought about this earlier. And for some dumb reason, I didn't, they have had a, a cinematic hell about, about most of the virtual reality, or at least some of the virtual reality, which is that they've switched to, Widescreen, like letterbox mode. Okay. Oh, you're right. I didn't look for that. Um, when when they were actually right. in VR. Right. Right. Well, yeah. So, yeah I, I but saying, I'm sure. Yeah. But Eric, you may not have noticed it, but I guarantee you, somebody that I, whose YouTube videos I've been looking at would have noticed it. Oh, I'm sure that there's, yeah, there's no. people out there that watch it four times on slow mo. Yeah, um, Red Bull and Redis. people. They they do those things so that we don't have to. <laughs> right. And yeah. and I will I will say that I just thought the closing shot of the episode was freaking awesome. That whole reveal of the tower uh, yeah. was freaking sweet. Yeah, yeah. It really doesn't awesome. look structurally sound to me. Yeah. It's well, future it, it structure, looked, Mike. Yeah, I don't know if it's oh, if it's, it's, if. I don't know if it's it's a building like an office building. It looks more just like a tower, like yeah. a radio tower. So it is a radio tower essentially. Yeah, that controls I, people. I just don't understand of the whole, like you know, they start building and they went, no, 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 it's supposed to go straight up. Oh, <laughs> start building it back the other way, guys. Right. Yeah, they probably just, just wanted which, just something cooler design, you know. Yeah, can we have a design? We want something that looks like an elbow, you know, like a waiter holding a tray of, you know. Something futury. 
Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Oh, God. It, it just, like, wouldn't straight up be more structurally sound? Anyway. No, so I'll just say that Phil may have found this episode disappointing, but this episode made me want to watch the show again. Yeah, I, yeah I'm, I'm not saying... I, I, I gotta say that discussing it now, I, I like it more, but it still definitely has a lot of those flaws with the gunplay and the James bond crap and some of the CGI, but... It, it, it's it was more enjoyable talking it through than than my first and only viewing of it so far. Mike, you were gonna say something? Actually, one reason I take notes honestly when I do this because I actually rarely look at the notebook while while we're doing the podcast is that it forces me to focus on the thing that's there. It makes me not pick up my phone because my hands are already occupied. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, sometimes it makes me pause and rewind something because I missed line of dialogue that I want to write down or a character's name. It's just for me, it helps me focus a lot because, you know, there are so many distractions, you know, in, in the real world, you know, whether it's a cat coming up to me because they, they want love and affection, excuse me, or food or just the doors or floor. Yeah. I don't, it's a weird house, not a lot of doors or I get, um, or, 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 you know, you got the phone sitting there going, you know, play Candy Crush or whatever, you know, it's just, um, it's just, or check your email. No, 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 focus. So if your phone's talking to you, you might want to mention that to your therapist. Are you, are you living in the 1980s? Technology has been talking to us for a while. Alexa, say hello it. to Eric. Only if you let it. Uh, Assert yourself, Mike. Assert your control over your technology and your cats. Actually, Eric, we have to accept our robot overlords. <laughs> you pet converted. No, he, he, he doesn't nice. have to be sent. He doesn't recognize the <laughs> That's funny. I know. I was very disappointed there, Eric. You, you, were, you were going against. Against your favorite, one of your favorite sayings, and so I had to. Well, I used to be controlled by the flies, but I've, I've, the power of love has set me free. There you go. Plus, robots aren't people, and people do suck. (laughs) All right, so what's that, Mike? Or people are robots. Well, that's what Eric's worried about the show that everybody's going to be robots, so we're going to find that out sooner or later. Yeah, that would be a disappointment for me. I'm hoping the desert people are desert people because they are not desert robots. Because yeah. they certainly, like, they, they got presented the robot heads on a platter, and they took that to be these are enemy. Because if you got robot heads and they're robots, they don't know whether those were good robots or they were a good robot or a bad robot. We don't know. They wouldn't know that. So. Well, there was also that little bit of dialogue that Charlotte said about um, when she she set the flies loose. Apparently, adults were a little more resistant uh, to the takeover from the parasite than children were. She said, "Your your kind, your children are so easy to, so eager to take direction, or something like that." Um, so my my fear for Frankie is that she wasn't infected by flies during that last timeline we were watching. Last we saw her, she was running away with her mom. We don't know where that was headed. Um, 
But my fear for her is that she she did get infected, and right now she's not under control of anything because they're in the middle of the desert behind the laser wall. Oh, um, and and if they point. get closer to New York, that she will be controlled. Or because her father was an outlier, an outlier is a thing that runs strong in a family, and she just may have a very high midichlorian count that will make her resistant. I was about to say the force is strong with this one. Well, but that... <laughs> But to be on a serious note, that, that's a good point because as we saw, Caleb, he or it appeared that he was able to fight Charlotte and the and the fly. Um, but and, and like you said, Mike, he was an outlier. So maybe his, his kids could be an outlier. But again, uh, I don't know where they're going to go with the Caleb story. But right now, he's 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 not he's in trouble. So, so I also want to point out. I, I'm sure people got a lot of, but. The, the title of the episode, Generation Loss, Generation Loss usually means the loss of, you know, of fidelity, right? Like that as you make a copy of copy, a copy, copy, copy of, yeah. things get worse and worse and worse and worse, right? And I always right. like to uh, copy know, somebody's tape on your tape and then copy that onto another blank tape and so on and so forth. Right. right? Like you've got those teachers at school that have been using the, the copies of the same worksheet for 30 years. And, right. You know, <laughs> right. Because right. it looks like something that was run off in the 1990s. Um, right. But. So there refers to that and like that this is the 238th copy of of Caleb and just that whole copying thing. But it also could refer to the fact that it's literally a loss of a generation, right? That um, humanity has basically lost a generation because it's been 23 years. And, you know, <laughs> you, you basically sacrifice the children to Beelzebub, right? To alter the Lord of the Flies. Uh, <laughs> And someone pointed out, if you go back, one of the uh, predictions of Roboam, right? Remember, for last season, they would like flash statistics and things on the screen, was the idea of uh, population collapse in 23 years. So there's that. And then mm. what picked up was that we are seven years from the end of last season, and we're 23 years from that seven years, 23 and seven is 30. 30 years, well, we, it was also 30 years in season one between the original incident at Westworld and the final overthrowing of Westworld. So you have this still this 30-year cycle hmm. tied in, which I thought was a, a – I don't think that was a complete coincidence because they could have made it 24 years. Maybe it's Pennywise. Maybe it's Pennywise. But he's 28 <laughs> years. Wait, that's 27 years. Uh, what was the creeper from? Um, thirty-seven. I don't remember. They don't like to choose even numbers because that's too easy. Yeah. Anyway, not important. I just think odd numbers make people less comfortable. It's true. Ever listen to uh, George Carlin's bit on the Ten Commandments? I did, but I don't remember specifically what you're talking about. <laughs> Look it up on YouTube. It's 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 genius. Oh well, yeah, it's George Carlin, and it was George Carlin in his pre-bitter years, right? Um, well, were there ever really pre-bitter years? Oh, he got no. There was a period in the '90s where he just went from being funny to being bitter, angry, and ranty. Oh, that that was just from then on. So, see, it was that way in the 2000s, too. 
So my, my wife just came home and I'm thinking when she chose to walk to rehearsal, she didn't realize that the skies were going to open up and downpour while she walked back. Hmm. She doesn't have a tuba with her, does she? Not at the moment. Okay, because that would really suck. Being stuck in the rain with a tuba. You uh, you you should have showered before you went out, dear. Did <laughs> did you have a did you did you have a tuba with you? Oh, good point. She she walked with a trombone, not a tuba. Oh, that still sucks. Yeah, well, not quite as bad, but she'll never. God is my witness. I shall never walk again. <laughs> oh if only there was an app on the phone for that dear all right all right are we done are we done yes we done this i think we're done i think we're done all right so um (laughs) this is so funny so i have totally switched roles this week It is true. So far, Phil said, like, this is awesome. This is awesome. I've been here sitting here going, are we done yet? (laughs) Anyway. All right. All right. All right. So uh, we all get the idea where everybody falls, and and we all generally liked it, it, uh, flaws or not. Um, But anyway, next week, uh, let's let's bring that one up. Next week is called, hopefully, it's one of those normal titles and not a weird title. Unfortunately, it's a weird title. It's Zhuangzi. Zhuang Zhuangzi, so hmm. uh, it's like a, a, no that's a Chinese. That's a Chinese word. Um, Fidelity is upcoming. Zhuangzi, I think it's pronounced Zhuangzi. It could be, yeah. Maybe? It means it's an ancient it's Chinese text from the late Warring States. Okay, that's all it means. Yeah, uh, Master Zhuang Zhuangzi uh, was the author, traditional author. Anyway, uh, I could read more about it, but uh, embody a unique set of principles and attitudes, including living's one life with natural spontaneity. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. There's a whole. There's a lot of. It's a book. It's 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 a title of a book too. Yeah. Yeah. So it's a book. Uh. Yeah. Let's see. Exemplify the carefree nature of the ideal Taoist sage, named for the, its traditional author, and uh, consists of a large collection of anecdotes, allegories, parables, and fables, which are often humorous or irreverent. Its main themes are a spontaneity in action and a freedom from the human world and its conventions. Oh, okay. I think it was that last part that might be relevant. Yeah, indeed. All right. So uh, we'll talk more about that next week. So uh, with all that stated, uh, wait, wait, wait. Now, now that we are firmly, firmly in future world, does this mean next week we're going to see Aaron Paul having sex with Yul Brenner? Stop trying to inflict your fantasies onto the show. Indeed, and, and Yul Brenner has passed away, Mike, from lung cancer. <gasps> My wife just walked in on me and scared the hell out of me. Oh, you think that makes a difference? <laughs> I was wondering what that was. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> she, yeah, she was out. Yeah, that was crazy. Holy shit. I'll probably that. Do that. Awesome. That was, that was awesome. <laughs> uh, no, no. Anyway, um, my wife just got back from the library. So, anyway, um, we will uh, uh, get back together next week. So, uh, Eric, why don't you lead us out?
right. Thanks for tuning in. Let's talk about episode four of season four. Come back next week. We'll continue. Mm-hmm.